All right, so this morning we continue our study in Proverbs here, and uh, we're going to be looking this morning at chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. Last week, if you were with us, you may remember that Will walked us through verses 8 through 19. Um, And the main thrust of that section dealt with how the son is to respond when he is tempted to associate with the wicked and their schemes. And how he is to respond is to not consent with them. Because what the wicked are doing in their scheming is, in reality, setting an ambush for their lives, as the end of that section talked about. In other words, what they're doing will inevitably result in death. So the son must reject the tempting voices of these fools, however enticing those voices may sound, and he must embrace and take heed to the wise teaching of his father and mother. And and picking up on that, in order to reiterate the necessity of shunning the voices of fools and embracing wisdom, here in chapter 1, another speaker arrives on the scene, so to speak. Uh, One that's even more forceful and clear than what we've previously heard, and that is the voice of Lady Wisdom, or wisdom personified as a woman. So I want to begin by reading Proverbs 1, verses 20 through 33. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called, and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread or disaster. It's a very sobering passage of Scripture, isn't it? Uh, You really feel the tone of that section here of Lady Wisdom speaking is is largely a negative tone, it it would seem. But the reason for that is because what this section is trying to do is really to reinforce and to amplify that picture of the dire consequences that await those who practice foolishness in all its various forms. And and while Lady Wisdom comes across here somewhat angry and exacerbated and, and unyielding, she's doing so 
because she's seeking to spur her readers on to present action. That's the thrust of what's going on here. There are dire consequences that await those who do not take heed to her voice, and, and there is a time coming when they will want to respond but will not be able. She desperately wants them to turn immediately to avoid the dire consequences of, of the fool. Now, on your outline there, I've broken this section up into three parts. Lady Wisdom is passionately pleading in verses 20 through 23. Lady Wisdom will not be mocked in verses 24 through 31. And then Lady Wisdom is our only safety, verses 32 and 33. So we're going to start here with verses 20 through 23, where we hear Lady Wisdom's passionate pleading. And notice here in these verses, especially in verses 20 and and 21, she is personified here as, as shouting her message in public areas. You have here the market, the head of the noisy streets, the entrance of the city gates, right? You get this picture that her message is being broadcast to all. Uh, she's not trying to be secretive and declaring this in this wisdom, right? She's, she's got this boldness about her, pro- her proclamation um, and because she knows that everyone needs to hear the message that she has. She's seeking to get this out to absolutely everyone. You really get kind of this picture of this street evangelist in your mind, and, and oftentimes, like a street evangelist, people are ignoring her, uh, simply going about their daily activities. And as we're going to see, many of her hearers are in no mood to, to listen to what she has to say. Nonetheless, she's, she's compelling, right? And she's inescapable. You can't avoid what it is that she's saying. Uh, She's proclaiming, open to everyone, um, declaring the wisdom that these people need. And, you know, as I was just working through verses 20 and 21, I was really convicted by the boldness of of Lady Wisdom here. Uh, She's bold, understand this, because she's loving, right? Her, her boldness is driven out of her love and her care about the present state of her hearers. Right? She wants them to respond to her, her message. And, and a passage like that ought to kind of cause us to pause and, and to reflect and to think through our own lives, right? Of how is my passionate pleading with those who are walking into certain destruction? Right? That's what was kind of gripping my heart as I was going through this, this section. Um, do I really believe that they're walking into that certain destruction? Uh, do I really see the path that they're on, where it is that they're headed? Because hopefully if we feel the weight of that, we'll do something about it. Right? We'll lift up our voice here like Lady Wisdom. Do, do we feel the same urgency that Lady Wisdom has in this passage as she lifts up her voice? Um, do I have that same burden weighing upon my own soul as, as she does? really reminded me of how the Apostle Paul spoke in 2 Corinthians 5.20 uh, when he said, We are ambassadors for Christ, 
God making his appeal through us, right? That's an amazing thought in and of itself, right? As we speak the word of God, God is appealing through us to those that we are speaking with. And then Paul says here, we implore you. And that word implore means to urge, to beg. And you can hear that tone in Lady Wisdom. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Right? That's, that's what's driving Lady Wisdom here. She sees the folly that these people are living in. She's watching them make these decisions. She's seeing that they're walking towards certain destruction. And so she's pleading with them to do something about that. And so just very practically thinking, just we need to pray and ask God to impress deeply upon our own hearts the importance of this message of wisdom toward the foolish, which is summed up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that it's at times we can become complacent in that. We can kind of get caught up in everything else kind of going on around us, and we lose the weight of that urgency and that necessity of, of speaking as, as we ought to. Yes? Mm-hmm. We sort of become more callous to it. In a sense. Right, yeah. We're not our eyes on ourselves yeah. Definitely. And therefore, that can affect us in our response to the sin around us. Yes. If we're ignoring. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, and as, as we see that happening, if our minds aren't being renewed by the Word of God, just even as I was you know, going through this passage, my mind's being renewed, I'm thinking, man, I, Lord, help me to feel the weight of this. Um, hundred years from now, what's going to matter, right? How did we call out to people who are walking into certain destruction? Now, as you move down into verses 22 and 23 here, uh, I'm reading from the ESV here, she says, how long... O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. So Lady Wisdom here begins with with a lament, as it were. Uh, you, You hear this in the Psalms as well. How long, right? It's, it's not really a true question, but rather it's really an implied statement. In other words, what she's saying is this, you've had long enough. How, how long are you going to continue in this way? This is not the first time that she's pleading with them. Right? You, you should have answered my call by now. You get that sense there. Again, there's this sense of exacerbation here, driven by a desire to see the hearer turn from their foolish way. Um, and, you know, we've seen that in our own lives. We see it in the lives of those around us. You just, you watch somebody make a foolish decision, and then they keep on making that foolish decision over and over again. And it really breaks your heart. You plead with them to turn from that, and they don't, and they keep getting the same results. There's this refusal to break from this destructive pattern here. And Lady Wisdom, as she's speaking this, notice in verse 22 here that she addresses three classes of people. First, at the beginning of verse 22, you have the simple or the simple 
ones. And then you have scoffers or mockers, depending on your translation. And then the most generic of these three terms at the end of verse 22, fools. Um, The simple here refer back to uh, what we looked at earlier in chapter 1, verse 4, where we were talking about the benefit of wisdom and instruction and insight. And verse 4 says to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So the, the simple are referring here to the young and the naive. They're still figuring out uh, the ways of wisdom and folly, but the pleading here from Lady Wisdom is the longer that they delay in responding, the closer they're getting to siding with those who scoff at the way of wisdom and, and the fools who hate knowledge. So they're headed in that direction, and she's pleading with them, turn from that. You're walking into certain judgment if you keep heading down that path. And then the scoffers here who are referred to, kind of self-explanatory, are, the, are those who mock wisdom, right? So it's not that they just hear it and then they walk away and continue to do something else. It's, it's not enough for them just to reject that wisdom, but to say how foolish they think that wisdom is and, and to deride and mock those who would follow this way of wisdom. Uh, So there's another level here to these mockers, where they're not like the simple ones who are just kind of taking it in, making foolish choices. Uh, These mockers are on another level now, where they're they're speaking back to the way of wisdom that's being spoken to them. And they're saying, that's foolish, that's idiotic, we're not going to follow that way. And they deride and mock those who would do so. And then the last class here are, are the fools. And this term refers to those who have an unbridled disdain for right conduct. An unbridled disdain for right conduct. And again, that right conduct is defined for us by the Word of God. That's something that's really important to to keep in mind. Oftentimes when we think of fools, we tend to categorize them as those who are only outwardly doing foolish things. uh, Which is certainly, you know, the, the fruit in some way of their thinking. But a fool, listen, is anyone who doesn't take heed to the word of God and to live in accordance with its ways, right? So it can look like the person that you're, you're watching who's just making a bunch of decisions that you're just like, that's really foolish. And it can be this businessman over here who's maybe not outwardly doing all these foolish things, but who's rejecting God and going along his own path, okay? So there's a, a really broad category to the fool, Matter of fact, if you remember in the Psalms, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, right? So there, there's a lot of people who would say that, um, who would appear very intelligent, right? But the scripture here tells us what God thinks about them. You can think also of the man that Jesus spoke of in the parable in the Gospels, uh, where he was laying up all sorts of, uh, look, I need to build bigger barns and store more things, and God said, fool, your very soul is required of you this night. So on the, on the outside, you're like, wow, that's, that's wise. Look what he's doing. He's, but he wasn't taking care of his soul, <laughs> right? He, he wasn't calling that into account. So again, the way the scriptures use the word fool, and especially here in Proverbs, is we're going to come across it a bunch of different times. It's a very broad category about those who have a disdain for right conduct, which flows out of uh, wrong thinking. So, ladies, wis- wisdom's problem here is that these the, these three groups 
are greatly enjoying their present state of ignorance. And we know that they're enjoying it because of the verbs that are used here to communicate how they are feeling. Notice here the simple ones. She says, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? Okay, so there's that that verb that's used there. They love being simple. And then notice what it says about the scoffers here. How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And then the fools hate knowledge, which is the negative way of saying that they love their foolishness. Okay? So that's their, their present state and why it's such an issue as she's looking out upon them. And that's something that is very important that we see throughout Proverbs, that, that to love folly is to hate wisdom and, and vice versa. There's no middle ground. <laughs> that's what the scriptures really teach. You either love that one or you hate the other. Uh, you can hear how Lady Wisdom, who speaks again in chapter 8, um, how she says it here in Proverbs 8, 35 and 36. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord, but he who fails to find me injures himself. And then notice this, all who hate me love death. All right, so there's that hate and love, that there's no middle ground uh, that is that is seen here. Now, as we move into verse 23, we hear wisdom's invitation to these foolish people, and it centers on the verb turn. If you turn at my reproof. So a, a clear choice is being called for here, right? There's the ambiguity, so to speak, is being removed. Lady Wisdom is trying to be very as, as clear and concise as she can be. Here's what's going to happen if you turn at my reproof. So Wisdom's done her confronting, and now it's time for a response. So, so how are these people going to respond? Well, she says here, if positively, then they will receive Wisdom's spirit. And in fact, that word that is used here for pour, I will pour out my spirit on you, carries with it this meaning of to gush out, right? So it's not just a little bit of wisdom. It's like God will give you the wisdom that you need in order to live a life that is pleasing to him. Very similar to what we see James say in James chapter 1 about wisdom, that, that God will give it to those who ask for it. There's a fullness that wisdom promises to those who turn to her, to her. Right? She's not going to hold anything back from the one who turns. Right? She's not trying to play games here. She's saying, here's what's going to happen. You turn at my reproof, I'm going to pour out my spirit to you. And I want you to notice here this, this close connection between wisdom, the, the wisdom's spirit and words as we see it here. In verse 23, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Right? You see the connection between those. Like we see in the rest of Scripture, those two always go hand in hand. The spirit and word. Okay? That's something that's very important to keep in mind. A great place to see this connection is in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 
verse 2 and 3a, and this is referring to the shoot from the stump of Jesse, ultimately pointing to our Lord Jesus Christ. So if somebody would like to read that for us. Okay, good. So you can see the correlation there between the spirit, the wisdom, knowledge, counsel, the fear of the Lord, all those things. Again, you have those working together. So that, that's the glorious promise for those who would turn at the reproof of wisdom. So again, in verses 20 through 23, you have this, this passionate pleading uh, that's coming forth here from Lady Wisdom and the promise for those who turn, what will happen to them. Okay, any thoughts before we move on to the next section here? Yes. Um, would you say when it talks about, uh, starts off with civil ones, and then mockers, and then fools, Yes, it appears to be, because the, the fools, and we're going to see this as we go through the rest of Proverbs, that's used very broadly to encompass all these other ones who have chosen this way of destruction. So the simple ones, they're still trying to figure it out. Mockers, they've taken it to 11. Fools, they're just totally settled in here, and they're not only mocking things, but they're doing other things, as we'll see through Proverbs as well. Yes, yeah, so there is a downward progression uh, that happens. Way, uh, that's right. Yes, very, yeah, and the, the language there is strikingly similar as well with that. So, yeah, good, good point. All right, let's take a look here at this next section, which is really the thrust of this, uh, of this section here. Yes. Yeah, please. Yeah. Just personification. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, just personification. No. No. Yeah. Just personification. Yep. All right. Verses 24 through 31 here. Uh, we're going to see the reality that that lady wisdom will not be mocked. This is a tough portion to kind of kind of work work through. Um. But again, the thrust of it here is that those who are hearing it will understand the certain destruction that is waiting for them if they don't turn at her reproof, right? Again, that's, that's a loving thing to do. It may sound very stark and bold and uh, unyielding, and it is because there is a care behind that that she's seeking to bring forth to her hearers, okay? So... What we're seeing here in verses 24 through 31 is that wisdom's rejection is given much more attention than her invitation. And so let's read that section again. If I can have somebody read verses 24 through 31. Terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes 
like a whirlwind. And distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reason. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> all right, so we notice here that she refuses to hear them because they have refused to hear her, right? And you can see here by the language that's used in verses 24 and 25 that this was not just a one-time rejection that these people made toward wisdom. Um, it, it was an ongoing, willful turning away from passionate pleading. And we can see that, for example, when she says, that you have ignored all my counsel, would have none of my reproof. There's this explanation, and even going back into verse uh, 22, that, that just the aspect of how long, O oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? That this has been something that they have been um, made aware of before. She said that she's called She's stretched out her hand. You can just get the visual of what's going on here. She's given much counsel. She's reproved her hearers. And, and what essentially has happened is that they've slapped the gift out of her hand that she was offering and have mocked it. She's offered life, but they have preferred death. You hear the same type of reasoning uh, in the language that's used in Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3, where the scripture says here, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. All right, so you hear this passionate pleading. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Right, the same type of thrust that you hear Lady Wisdom um, saying is this isn't going to cost you uh, in the sense of you don't have to pay anything for this wisdom. I'm dispensing it freely if you would turn at my reproof. And then Isaiah 55 goes along. Why do you spend your money? Hear the reasoning here? Right, trying to bring them to their senses. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And that's the same type of pleading you hear Lady Wisdom making. Turn away from that certain destruction. Live according to my words. Turn. And then as we keep going in Proverbs 1 here, and we work our way down beginning in verse 26, and then going actually all the way down through verse 31, what we see is Lady Wisdom are articulating her fury at being spurned by these people. We see here her disposition towards them when she says, I, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. Okay, So it's the same type of language that was being used toward Lady Wisdom, that they were kind of mocking and scorning and deriding her counsel. And now the tables have turned. What, what's, what she has promised has actually come upon them. This destruction that she was saying to them is going to happen if you don't turn has come upon them. 
Derek Kidner, in his Proverbs commentary, I believe rightly assesses this, the disposition of Lady Wisdom when he says that this, this laughter and mocking, he says, is not an expression of personal heartlessness, but of the absurdity of choosing folly. In other words, just as those who heard Lady Wisdom laughed and mocked, it will come back upon them in their distress as she promised and as she was trying to plead with them to turn away from that. It's very similar to what we see in Psalm 2, right? Psalm 2, verses 1 through 4. Can somebody read that for us? Okay, right? So very, very similar to what you see here. And how does this psalm start off? Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Right? That's foolish to set yourself up against the God of heaven. That's a no-win situation for you. Right? That's a foolish thing to do. And you notice their disposition is very similar to what we see the disposition is of these scoffers and mockers and these fools who hate knowledge in Proverbs 1. They say, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. We want none of that restraint upon us. We don't want to bend to that counsel. That's the same thing you see happening in Proverbs 1. And then the conclusion of that, he who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Okay, so you have the same type of mentality that's going on here. So we see her disposition toward them. And then also we see the consequences of rejecting her counsel when she says terror will strike them like a storm. Calamity will come upon them like a whirlwind and they will eat the fruit of their own way. That's going to be the result of of mocking uh, Lady Wisdom here. And, And you get this aspect of this suddenness, right? It comes upon them like a storm. It's a bright day, everything's going well, and all of a sudden these clouds roll up, and you're like, man, that doesn't look too good, and the next thing you know, you're in the middle of this great storm. Calamity comes upon you like a whirlwind, right? You're just sitting peacefully in your house, and all of a sudden the winds whip around, tear your house down in a second. They're going to eat the fruit of their own way, okay? So that's a very serious thing that says will happen, and if you keep your finger there in Proverbs 1, you see similar language to what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. At the conclusion of this, he likened those who hear his words, what will happen to them, and those who don't hear his words and act upon them, what will happen to them. So in Matthew 7, starting in verse 24, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So you hear Jesus picking up on this language of wisdom and folly. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus kind of picks up on that proverbial language there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. 
and brings that to an illustration to say, here are the two outcomes, just like Lady Wisdom is giving here. Norm. Excellent. Great, great cross-reference there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you get that, that mindset there of what's happening to these people, the consequences for rejecting her counsel. And their response to this suffering is probably the most frightening and sobering part of the passage that we see in verses 28 through 31. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. So they're going to call upon her and they're going to seek her diligently. And here's the result. They will not find her. They did not realize that their rejection of her prior pleading was their last opportunity. The passage that comes to mind as I I think about this very sobering passage is Isaiah 55, verse 6, which apparently, okay, there it is. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The implication there is there's a time where you're not going to be able to find him. Now, we don't know what that time is, right? Uh, for, for an unbeliever, we're not, we're not sure what that looks like. So we keep pleading with people. Uh, we don't step in. But we also bring people to a, a passage like this and say, listen, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to turn from your folly and turn to the Lord. Right? Do not harden your heart in this in this moment, but act upon the words that you are you are hearing. Amber. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very very good one. Um, so yeah, and and you you know you can think of Romans one as well, right? That the the persistence of people in their wickedness that God turns them over to their wickedness ultimately. So. It's a very sobering passage, and again, what it impressed upon me is really, man, take heed to the Word of God, right? Act upon what you hear. Do not delay. Do not put these things off. Uh, We see here in Isaiah 55, 6, just like in Proverbs 1, that there's not an indefinite period of time to heed the call of wisdom, to heed the call of God's Word, to seek the Lord, There will be a time when he will not be able to be found, so the time to take heed is now. That's the the thrust that we should feel from this. So we have here wisdom's passionate pleading, the reality that she will not be mocked, and then finally here is these concluding and summarizing verses that we see that Lady Wisdom is our only safety. Lady Wisdom is our only safety. And we see that in verses 32 and 33. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster.
So these final two verses, they really encapsulate the outcomes of heeding wisdom's cries or giving them a deaf ear. And again, these verses build on... Sorry. Uh, these verses really build on the pattern that we saw in chapter 1, verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and, and instruction. So you have those two categories that are laid out there. Additionally, these verses introduce for us this dominant emphasis on choice and its consequences that really pervades the rest of the book of Proverbs. Um, destruction versus security is the contrast that we see here in results. And notice in verse 33, the word whoever. It focuses again on the individual's responsibility, as we saw last week with the son being enticed by this group of sinners to go <laughs> along with them. And the thrust that we get here is whatever bad choices the group may make, that does not need to be the same decision made by the individual. Right? That the individual needs to see the decision of the group and their folly that they're heading into and say, I'm going the other way. And that takes courage, right? You can probably think about a million different examples in your, in your own life where you're tempted to go along that path and the need is to turn around and perhaps be the only one who, who does so. And how this portion concludes is that when one heeds to Lady Wisdom, he or she is promised security from disaster. Ultimately, we know that this points to the greatest security that a person can have, and that is the security that is found in Christ from the wrath of God. He's our shelter. He is our hiding place on the day of God's vengeance on a rebellious world. And listen, there is no greater security than that, and that is what is ultimately needed. So as we think about this section, this Discourse, again, ought to remind us of the urgency of wisdom's appeal. It's not a good idea to put off the decision to follow wisdom. As we see in verse 32, to be complacent is as bad as outright rejection. Right? The simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them, right? It's, it's complacency. This is bad as just screaming that you don't want to follow that path. You're making the same choice. Lady Wisdom in this passage wants the simple, the mocker, the fool to know the imminent danger and the horrible consequences of not obeying her so that they will respond right away to her pleading. That's the heart that is behind this. And may we learn from that as, as Christians. May we learn from that to quickly heed the call of wisdom that we have in the Word of God, uh, to be doers of that Word and not hearers only, so that God will be glorified in our lives. And may, again, it stir up our hearts uh, for those that are outside of Christ and who are walking on that certain path of destruction. May God give us the same urgency and the fervency of Lady Wisdom as she is personified here in chapter 1. Okay? Dave. In the center section, there's something interrupting the end of the grammar. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Amen. Great, great point. Great point. Amen. Amen. All right. Any concluding thoughts here? Yeah. Please go ahead. Yeah. Um, this proverb um, basically is referring to everything spiritually, not so much physically. Right. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Amen. Well, hope you're encouraged and challenged by that uh, passage there. And uh, just pray the Lord will impress that upon our hearts and to see the value of his word and the blessing of it. Yes. If we're looking for assistance and understanding the fear of the Lord. Yeah. That's this. And I'd love to see that because it's a sense of saying that and go really understand that we're going to turn whilst we walk the earth with just the sun. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's also as a believer, the place where we're not responsible or actually walking in sin yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We don't want to um, think that we can go against the counsel of God's word and expect a good outcome, you know, in that. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I praise God for the promise that we have in Jeremiah 32 40, where under the new covenant, the fear of God is put into our hearts by God so that we will not turn away from him. Uh, that, that's the glorious reality for those who are in Christ, is that we will persevere in the fear of the Lord, not perfectly, not always turning away, but hopefully as we hear the word of God and it's impacting us and the spirit is convicting us, we continue to turn away from those things that are displeasing to him because we want to walk in a way that's honoring to our father. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, well, let me close this out and uh, we'll head into the, into the service.